Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with Michelle Molitor. Michelle is the founder and CEO of Nectar Consulting, Inc. and co-author of the best-selling book, Breakthrough Healing. She works with executives and entrepreneurs, bringing over 25 years of experience, intuitive insights, and strategic business savvy to their success. She is an expert at enhancing the capacity of leaders through greater emotional, social, and leadership well-being, helping them to build inclusive company cultures that result in trustworthy teams that are more productive, passionate, and profitable. Enjoy this episode as Michelle and I sit down to talk about how we can tap into our unconscious to find our success. Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I am sitting down with Michelle Molitor, and we are going to talk talk about how you can tap into your unconscious to reach your success. Holy cow, tapping into your unconscious. How did you even come to be? How did your work come to be, Michelle? And thank you so much for joining us on the show. But we're going to be tackling something that I think is going to be so intriguing and so interesting today. But out of curiosity, how did you start your journey into this line of work? Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on the show, Jenna. It's a real delight to be here with you again. And um Gosh, uh, it was a strange and circuitous route that brought me to my work. I was a creative director in web development in my former career, um, and it was very exciting. It brought me here to the San Francisco Bay Area at the height of the dot-com boom, the original one back in 2000, and um, it it was really, really fabulous. I was building this amazing you know, team as part of a global web development company. And I hired two guys to be art directors underneath my, you know, on my team. And they made it really clear in short order that they didn't like working for a woman. And I essentially got bullied out of my job by these two guys that I hired that had really big egos. And I didn't have the chutzpah that I have now. And I didn't know how to I didn't know how to handle it. And essentially, um, they chipped away at my confidence that ultimately led me to getting fired. And it was devastating. It was really, really devastating. I had worked you know, my whole career to get to that fancy corner office and that fancy six-figure salary. And um, boom, there I was. And I was like, oh, crap. Now what do I do? And I really suffered a whole um, huge imposter syndrome of what do I do now? And who am I? And oh my gosh, no one will want me. And I can't give my resume to anybody. And so I hired a coach, this thing called career coaches back then. I was like, where do I find one of those? I've never heard of that. And so in the process of being coached, it was like all the cells in my body came into alignment and was like, do this. I was like, oh, this is the work that I'm meant to be doing. So I literally changed careers. I got trained and certified and um, hung out my own shingle with Nectar Consulting in 2001, and I've been doing it ever since. And um, along that path, I've, I'm very curious. I'm a learning junkie. Um, can I have another workshop, please? <laughs> um, and so I've been trained and certified in a variety of different um, coaching modalities and healing modalities. And uh, the the most recent one that I came upon that was so transformative for me in my own personal development is called rapid transformational therapy or RTT for short. And doing this work enabled me to get at blocks that I had been trying to, to root out for 20 something years in a matter of weeks. And so when I was able to create those shifts for myself like that, I was like, Whoa. And it was the same thing. My, my whole body was like tingling, like this is the next level of mastery. So I went and got trained and certified, um, in RTT and have combined it with my coaching, my 20 years of coaching and what I call rapid rewiring. And so essentially all of that to say, I'm a little mind detective. I go in and I work over zoom like this with people all over the world to, help them discover the limiting beliefs they're holding deeply lodged in their subconscious that they don't even know necessarily are there. They just know that they're stuck or they're blocked or they're having these chronic health issues that they just don't know how to move beyond. And so when you can get at those root causes, 
and literally rewrite the rewrite the neural pathways in your brain with new empowering beliefs, everything shifts and changes for for the better. And it's it's a beautiful thing to behold. Oh, that was a lot. And I'm so excited to dive more <laughs> into tapping into our unconscious and our TTs. There's so many questions that I have about your rapid rewiring process, but I want to also acknowledge and also for our listeners, I'm sure you would do the same. There are so many people that are extremely talented and that have found themselves in situations that are likely similar to yours, where you hire that person, you worked your tail off and invested time, resources, sweat to you know, get to that corner office and then to have it not go as planned and to ultimately have it go in the opposite direction that you could have ever dreamed of. And I just want to acknowledge the the difficulty in being able to go from that place to where you are today. And I also hope that our listeners listening to this can also understand that those situations happen in work and you're not flawed. You're not, you know, you don't lack worthiness or value. These things happen and we're going to talk about how we can tap into our conscious and you'll be inspired by Michelle today. But I just wanted to acknowledge that because I too experienced different hurdles in my professional career. And I think in the beginning, you really start to take that as just a tattoo that's printed on you. It's part of you. It's who you are. And it is incredibly difficult to see beyond it when you're in it. Oh, totally. I couldn't agree more. It literally took me years, years to get past what in my mind was shame and guilt. And I felt like such a fraud and, oh, all of these things. But it truly was just these two men's egos coming up against my ego, right? And their hurt and their wounds coming up against my hurt and my wounds. And it and it created this garbly mess, right? But once I was able to reframe it and look at it through different lenses, I was slowly able to, to regain my power and to regain my confidence from it, which is why I'm so um, passionate about helping people reclaim their confidence to get past imposter syndrome because it can be so painful and it can be so challenging and it really can stunt your career if you let those fears overtake your brain, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for just like acknowledging again, bringing up your, your experience, your journey, how you were able to reflect. And, you know, we don't have to look back at these career challenges, obstacles with bitterness and still holding on to that negative energy that maybe was experienced in it. We can also learn to like move past that. And I, and that's all about tapping into your unconscious. So, I mean, I know there's more work beyond that, but why is it, Michelle, why is it important to tap into your unconscious? So if you break down the workings of your brain, right, 90% of your brain power is um, operates from an, a subconscious unconscious level, right? It's only that five to 10% that is our conscious critical thinking, right? From our prefrontal cortex. So all your emotions, how you, you your body works on automatically, your heart beats all by itself. That's all happening because of the subconscious elements happening in your brain and your nervous system. So the beliefs that we create about ourselves at a very young age tend to um, get registered in our subconscious and then they stay there nice and neatly stored away until we come across something like that event as a, you know, a young adult or an adult and your brain goes, Oh no, remember that happened to you when you were five. Don't do that again. Right. There's a part of your brain called the amygdala, which is your fight flight or freeze mechanism. I like to call her Amy. Amy's the little lizard lady who lives in your limbic brain and she's in charge of keeping you safe and alive and on the planet. Right. And so when you're a little kid, if you have these, um, traumatic events, whether it's you got bullied on the playground or your parents said something, you know, ugly to you or your siblings said something ugly to you or you suffered some kind of, you know, serious trauma or abuse. Um, all of those from one end of the spectrum to the other, they leave these indelible marks in your subconscious. We make decisions about ourselves as little kids because our brain just takes in this information and it lodges and stores there in our subconscious. It doesn't get processed. It just drops in like a sponge. So you've got all this data sitting there guiding how you move through the world to be safe, 
right? But as an adult, if you start to recognize, wow, I have this pattern, this way of operating the world to stay safe, but it's really not keeping me safe. It's making me really uncomfortable. It's making me anxious. It's worrying me. It's creating all these blocks in my world. Maybe I should get rid of it. But then you're like, well, I don't exactly know where to find it. Like what drawers it in, in the back of the closet? I just don't know where it is. And so through the work that I do with folks, I'm able to literally help them relax into an alpha brainwave state. It's that half awake, half asleep place. Like you've just come out of a nap. Um, and in that state, I'm able to access your subconscious and literally have a conversation with it and find out what is at the origin point of that belief or that block that you have. And from that point, we can literally rewrite it. We re we reduce, we eliminate the emotional charge that you made up about it, however long ago it was. And we just neutralize it. We like pouring baking soda on it. That's all we're doing, right? And then you rewire the neural pathways in your brain for new beliefs. I am enough. I do believe in myself. I am worthy. I have value. Whatever those old belief stories are for you. And that enables you to show up with greater confidence, to take back your power and to navigate through your world differently than you ever have before, because you've moved all of that old junk out of your trunk that you don't need anymore. Oh my gosh. I, you know, Michelle, I think people may not even realize So, you know, we talked about this in the, in the pre-call or I guess before we hit record and I was just coming from a day of bouncing after meetings and I would identify as a workaholic. And when I make that connection, yes, it comes from that subconscious or unconscious belief, which was rooted in my childhood, right? I'm, I'm older than a child and I still hold on to the belief of I'm not good enough, which then throws into workaholic. You got to work, got to prove it, got to do your best. And then ultimately I still feel like I'm dropping the ball because I don't have enough time to actually do all the things in the way that I want to. But I say that because someone listening, you know, that I'm not good enough. You might initially say that that's not, that doesn't relate to me, but what you might relate to is being a workaholic or like, what are you trying to prove? And maybe that's the language that resonates with you, but you know, what do you like, what are the benefits when we can truly tap into our unconscious? What are the benefits that people see? I know we talked about being able to flip it, but what have you noticed with your clients? Oh gosh. I have so many stories. Um, folks that I've worked with, you know, they'll come to me with one thing. So they might say, I have my own business and I keep coming up against this financial barrier. And I'd like to bust through that, that financial barrier. And, and every time I get close to that, you know, X dollar mark, I, I self-sabotage my revenues fall. And then, oh yeah. And then I get this horrible bout of IBS or inflammatory bowel syndrome. I was like, oh, well, how about we fix that? She's like, okay. Right. And so doing this work, what we got to at the root root of it was a fear of being too powerful, of being too successful, right? Um, and so when we neutralized that, we eliminated it and then rewrote the story around it. Um, not only did she have her best month ever after we finished our work, but her body stopped doing the fear response of the IBS reaction right? So after 15 years of dealing with IBS, chronic IBS, it was wow. gone. Wow. Right. So it's not only about it increasing your confidence. It's not only about um, feeling like you can create greater peace and calm in your body, but it's also the, the mindsets we carry about ourselves often manifest as chronic physical ailments in our bodies. I've treated folks with chronic IBS, chronic fatigue, um, uh, migraines, psoriasis, arthritis, um, anxiety, depression, addictions, all of these um, tend to be rooted in these negative beliefs that we hold about ourselves. And then they get amplified over time um, by other events that happen in our lives. So when you go back all the way to the root of it, and you change that story, then it creates a positive ripple effect all the way forward, which has an amazing effect. I have a question and I just a more curiosity question for you because I was leading an event yesterday and we were talking about, you know, the power of our thoughts and how they can impact um, what we do. And I know you and I share a lot around, you know, understanding 
how we're setting ourselves up for success in that regard. But I came across an individual and I love when I hear this individual that says, I don't have negative thoughts. I never have a single negative thought. And in my, I guess in my experience, I find it hard to believe that someone doesn't, but I'm curious what you think about that. Um, that's a nice story that they're telling themselves because <laughs> nobody escapes having negative um, thoughts, right? It's it's We're programmed from the moment we're born, right? As a kid, you're growing up. You want to do something. No, don't do that. No, don't touch that. No, don't do that, right? We get reinforced with no's all the time. And as we grow up, um, those that programming that we receive, good, bad, or ugly, right, is what stays and reinforces in our, our own mind's conversation, right? So um, I've been doing 20 years of personal development, right? I'm a personal development junkie. I will admit it. The brain fascinates me. I like to read things about neuroscience for fun, right? And and I still got negative stuff happening, right? So the person who says, oh, I don't have any, that's a very nice facade of I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't look behind the screen. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. Right? It's like the Wizard of Oz. So um, for those who are listening and they think, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. Like, great. And start to notice throughout your day, like I always say, how much, how, what percentage of your thoughts are above the line or below the line? So above the line is I'm, I'm peaceful. I'm happy. I'm ecstatic. I'm joyful. I'm excited. Below the line is I'm numb. I'm bored. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm upset. I'm depressed. I'm despondent. Right. Right. It's all vibrational uh, energy. Emotions are just vibrations. And so the lower you are on the scale, the, the darker it gets, right. Or the higher you are on the scale, the brighter it gets. And so just start to notice how much of your day is spent above the line or below the line. And if you're spending more of your time below the line, well, then you might want to get some help from someone, right? It might be a coach. It might be a therapist. It might be an RTT specialist. It might be um, your, your pastor at your church. It might be a close friend. Um, but to help you process and move through those, because if we don't process those emotions, then they will get stuck, right? One of my favorite quotes is, um, emotions that cannot find their vent in tears will cause other organs to weep. Oh, right. So that's Dr. Henry Maudsley from like the 1895s. So our the emotions are, cannot find their voice in tears. Tears will cause voice. other organs to weep. I.e., if you don't process that emotion, it'll get stuck and it'll manifest in some other way. Yes. Right. Because yeah. we're really good at stuffing our emotions in the closets. I'm fine. I'm good. I don't have any negative emotions. Right. <laughs> but if you just allow yourself to feel your feelings and let them move through you, then they they're like clouds passing in the sky. They just keep going by. But when you take that night, that dark, dark cloud and you stuff it in a box. Well, then now you got a dark cloud in the box in the closet. Eventually, you got a whole stack of them, and then what are you going to do with it? So, um, but we're we're taught to not feel our feelings. We're taught not to to show our fear, our worries, our anxiety. We have to keep it all together and look good, right? Um, but no, we don't. It's actually really detrimental to your mental health and well being by stuffing your emotions. Gosh, I just thank you for sharing that quote. I think it's. I hope that for the people that might have been initially listening to this kind of thinking, oh, this is another one of those woo-woo conversations that, you know, doesn't um, impact me, it likely does. And maybe it's just so rooted in your unconscious that you just haven't, as you said, like paid attention to what's below the waterline. And that this is just an opportunity to be more curious with yourself because we all have it. And I know even a lot of research, um, I forget what podcast I was, you know, I was listening to Brene Brown, but the, I forget the guests that she was interviewing and just talking about even that burnout is a result of unprocessed emotions. You know, so if that's a phrase that you understand, again, it's tied to your emotions. So you're a human being, you experience emotions, 
pay attention to them. And I like how you talked about, um, you know, that dark cloud that you're just putting it into a box. And maybe how I see that is I picture, and this is likely, I'm guessing the origins of this is a therapy term, but my husband and I just went through foster parent training and they really teach you to be aware of the invisible suitcase that a kid brings along. It's what you can't see that is there. It's with them the entire time. And knowing that every single child has an invisible suitcase that it's your job to try and hold space to help. And I think, you know, that's what that black cloud reminded me of is that invisible suitcase that we all carry. Yes. So how, how do we see this show up when we're a leader at work? Like, what can this look like? So we're talking about the unconscious. We're talking about that, that cloud that's in a box or these unprocessed, unprocessed emotions. How does this show up when we're at work as a leader? Well, and that's a great question, Jen, because a lot of people think, oh, I leave my personal life at home when I come to the office. Uh-huh. Yeah. Except if you've, you know, if you stubbed your toe really badly in the morning, are you limping around the office? Yeah. What the hell? What'd you do? Oh, I stubbed my toe really bad. Yeah. It's the same thing if you had an argument with your partner, right? Or your roommate or whomever, right? You show up at work as a leader. If you've got this noise happening in the background in your mind, it's a distraction, right? And um, emotionally, it creates a toll that keeps you from being fully present and fully focused, right, um, on the work at hand. Um, another another way of coping with that emotional noise from our other parts of our lives is to be a workaholic as a recovering workaholic, right? Um, it I used work as a way to. Um, keep myself busy so I didn't have to feel the feelings that I didn't want to feel because they were uncomfortable. Right? And that's really uncomfortable. I don't want to look at that. Hey, look, I can sit at my computer for four more hours. Yeah, that's a good idea. Right. <laughs> um, and so as leaders, it's really important to notice where is the edge of your comfort zone. Right. And noticing if I push past the edge of that comfort zone, am I going to die? Am I going to break? And what's what do I think is going to happen if I do that thing that makes me feel really uncomfortable, right? And that might be as simple as speaking in front of a group, right? Or doing a big presentation for your boss and you get all nervous and anxious and worried and fretful and it has to be perfect. It's like, no, we're all perfectly imperfect, right? We talked about this the other day. Um, and And so just noticing what's really needed here. And if I step beyond the edge of my comfort zone, what do I think is really going to happen? Not what my fear brain is telling me, but what my logical brain is telling me. Oh, well, I might, I might get something wrong, but I won't die and I probably won't get fired. So, okay. And, and I'll be human just like everybody else. So it, it's a lot, it's a way of giving yourself some more breathing room and giving yourself some grace. I love that. And I mean, that hits me because I know even from the workaholic pers- perspective, I've always been on the lines, right? No, I know you're not supposed to be there by the way. So it's, it's, this is work that we will continuously do. And I think there's the ebbs and flows of life that push us there, pull us, or, you know, we level out, but yeah, it's hard to turn off the workaholic brain for me because it's, well, Will I miss an opportunity? Will I, you know, do something like I have to keep hustling? And when I think about that on the periods where I'm not, you know, working long days, then yeah, I feel like, well, Jen, you're not doing anything. So then nothing's going to happen, you know? So it is, that is the fear piece. And, you know, to say to other people, if you're thinking about how this really shows up at work, it could be you being a workaholic, but on the flip side, it could also be senses of how you even manage the relationships at work or how you treat people at work, how you treat your customer. You could be extremely frustrated with yourself and then lash out at someone, even though that's not who you are at your core. Or maybe, you know, it's not just overworking. Maybe it's then holding people to an unrealistic expectation of performance. That yes, you're not that's of. very, very common, right? You know, I always say the, the fish rots or thrives from the head down, right? So if you have a chief cheese in charge that is a workaholic, they usually have a high bar for everybody else on their team. And so everybody else is spinning really, really fast, right? And and so um, you get to notice, is that culture the right culture for you to be a part of, 
right? Is it healthy for you? Is it a place that has you feel like you're thriving or is it depleting you actually in the, in the long run? Right. And so that, you know, what you were talking about, that sense of, well, I'm not doing enough. If you're just resting, I'm not doing enough. That part of that is, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out, right? Well, if I just do more, then I'll be in the know, I'll be plugged in, right? And I'll have all these opportunities coming to me. But here's a little secret, Jen, for you and everybody else who's listening, is it takes balance, right? We operate from our masculine and our feminine energy. And our masculine energy is that doing, 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 that getting from point A to point B, that driving, that accomplishing, whereas feminine energy is resting and receiving and allowing, right? So you can't, just like breathing, you can't keep breathing out and not take a breath in, right? You have to you have to give and you have to receive. You have to give and you have to receive. So when you learn to find that balance in your life of giving and receiving, right? Resting and working, then you'll have more space, right? And you'll have more mental space to then have the creative juices to do the things that you really love with more energy, more vitality, and not feel so depleted all of the time. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That really resonated (laughs) the in out of, you know, breathing in versus or breathing out all the time, like pushing forward, pushing forward, doing, but like breathing into reset. I love that uh, example. So let's, let's dive a little bit more into RTT because I still feel like I can't even appropriately remember what it stands for. What is <laughs> That's it exactly? okay. Most people can't, so but we get is, some acronyms. Acronyms <laughs> are great. <laughs> what is it doing in our unconscious, like that process of RTT? Or so what? rapid transformational therapy is a unique combination of what I think are the best of all worlds, right? So it brings together cognitive behavioral therapy, neuro-linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, and I add in coaching to create my rapid rewiring breakthrough process, right? And so in this process, what we're doing is um, essentially um, having you sit back, and relax. And you just listening to the sound of my voice. And as you listen to the sound of my voice, you're becoming more and more relaxed. And as you become more and more relaxed, you're allowing yourself to drift into a deeper and deeper state of rest and relaxation. And the more we go into it, the deeper you're falling into this alpha brainwave state, that half awake, half asleep place that we talked about a little earlier. And in that place, Your subconscious, the gateway to your subconscious is more available, right? So I'm able to literally have a conversation with that 90% of your brain versus the 10% of your conscious brain and, and ask simply, what's at the root cause of this feeling not enough, this feeling of I'm not worthy, I'm not valued, whatever that, that underlying core belief is that's driving you to work so hard, right? And In that, your subconscious mind is like a brilliant computer. It has all the information stored away, neat and tidy, right? And it'll bubble up to the surface, just the right information that you need to know in that moment. And we do this a few times and you're able to connect the dots between what might seem like disparate events in your life, right? And you're able to go, oh, now I understand why those things have me behave this way now. Right. So here's a, here's an amazing example, right? Um, a woman, um, that I worked with, she had unusually sweaty palms and feet. Right. Um, I think we talked about this on our intake call. Right. And she had tried everything, right. It was embarrassing to her. She didn't like it and nothing seemed to really work. And so through the RTT, what we were able to determine was that she was really shy as a little girl. She didn't like that her big sister got more attention than she did. And um, she didn't, she felt scared when she had to be left on her own in front of her house. Her mom would have to leave her there, wait for her sister to come home while she went to work. All of these things in and of themselves didn't make a whole lot of sense. But when she put them together, she saw very clearly how, oh, 
the sweating, the sweaty hands and the sweaty feet was the best way for her to um, process her emotions, right? Because you weren't allowed to cry. She was British, right? Don't cry. Stiff upper lip, right? But to also get more attention than her sister, right? So her subconscious decided, oh, we can kill two birds with one stone here, right? We'll just create this little sweaty palm thing, right? To help you process literally like she's crying from her hands and feet, right? And was getting this extra attention from her parents more than her sister, except it kept going and it kept going and it kept going. And she was 43 when she, you know, showed up to do this work. And I was, she was like, I, I can't stand this. How do we, you know, and literally being able to put those dots together just as her body created it as a way to protect her and to serve her, we were able to say, you know, we don't need that anymore. And we turned it off literally and it was done. That is powerful. That's incredible. I mean, the gift uh, that you gave your client, like that's incredible. But I think it, it takes, I mean, it takes doing the work. It takes really wanting to do the work to understand that we all have those invisible suitcases or that unconscious that is either working for or against us. And I know one of the things that we want to talk about is also how you know, we take that and understand unconscious and there's a huge physical issue to all of us as individuals, whether you're a leader or not, it's just if you're human, but then also understanding how your unconscious really will impact your ability to be a confident leader. And so let's talk about how our unconscious can impact our confidence. What ways have you seen that? Well, you know, because we make these decisions about ourselves, unconsciously at different points through our lives, not just when you're a child, but all throughout your life, right? Something happens, um, you know, uh, a significant other leaves, right? Just decides, nope, don't want to do this anymore. Walking out, right? And you're like, whoa. And so then we unconsciously or consciously make a decision. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable, right? All of these decisions that we've made about ourselves are lodged in our subconscious and they impact how we show up, right? And, and so if you've got decision points that say, no, don't be too loud or don't stand out or don't toot your own horn, right? That's not what we do or that's not how our culture does it or that's not how our family does it. Whatever those beliefs are, it all can have a serious impact on your own level of confidence, which then has a huge impact on, on how you show up as a leader. You know, as I lost my confidence <laughs> um, back in 2000, it felt like it really got shattered. I've spent a lot of time researching, like, where does confidence come from? And, and where do you find it? It is in your back pocket. Where's it stored? Can I buy some at the store? What does that look like? <laughs> right. I need another dose, please. Can I, right. What, whatever that looks like. And, and what I found is it's these beliefs that we hold about ourselves that, that dim our confidence. We're born confident. We're born with self-esteem and self-worth and self-love. But over time, those things get stolen from us or they get clouded or shrouded because of the fears uh, from our life experiences, right? And so all of that um, impacts how, how we do our jobs and how we move through the world to be safe. And so when you're able to um, identify those hidden beliefs, right, those negative beliefs that we hold. Um, and flip them, then your confidence naturally starts to rise. Your energy expands. Um, you're lighter, you're brighter, you're more magnetic and you become more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You resonate differently as a leader from that place. And it's the, it's the very subtlety of it that most people don't realize. And it's that thing that people have, that has people lean in and go, wow, I really like that Jen. There's something really amazing about her. It's, she's just so vibrant, right? And so people want that vibrant energy. A lot of people don't have it, right? And so they lean into leaders who have that je ne sais quoi, that I don't know quite what they have, but I want some of that, please. I'll have what she's having thing um, that allows them to show up a little bit differently 
and then inspires other people to want to step into their own confidence in new ways. Yes. I mean, I, oh my gosh, I'm so excited because we're going to get into your five confidence colors and just reminding us, I, you know, as you're talking about that, I'm sure someone could listen right now. Think about when you maybe didn't get that promotion that could have created a message saying you weren't good or you weren't good enough. Or when you got a piece of feedback that was maybe less than beautiful, right? Less than glowing. And then all of a sudden you computed that as like, oh, that's another way that I made a misstep. So these things can be small instances that combine and accumulate over time. And I just want people to pay attention to maybe how they're processing some of that stuff. Cause we're going to talk about what gets into your confidence now, or what essentially kills your confidence. And that is the thing that you need to have influence, to have your team want to follow you. So Michelle, what are the five confidence killers? Oh, there's a fun collection that I found, right? Um, And I like to count them down from five to one, right? Because um, they all have an impact, but the number one is just the number one. So the fifth one, number five is the habit of discontent, right? It's that something's not right. So let me do more, work more, have more to try to fill that hole of discontent. It's that that sense of dis-ease, right? So we're constantly looking outside of ourselves to fill that hole. So that's where the habit of busyness starts, right? So then we get caught in the swirl. I'm discontent. Maybe if I work a little harder, then I'm really busy, but then I'm still discontent, right? So that's that constant searching, right? That can get on our way. And um, it's that doing mode, that masculine energy mode operating from there more and more and more of the time that can be really um, dangerous, right? That's me. me. That's me right now. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you get unstuck from the habit of busyness, right? Well, first awareness is key. So you get to notice what you're feeling, right? And then what are the complaints and the grievances that are constantly rolling through your head, right? As you get them out of your head and you write them all down, you can start to look at them like, oh, hmm, okay. So then once you've identified them, then what's the one thing you can learn from that group of grievances? What's the common denominator, the common thread, right? So let that information educate you and then find the wisdom in it, the gift in it, and then have some gratitude for it. Like, oh, let me learn from this and then have some gratitude for it. Because as you have gratitude. When you focus on gratitude instead, it's it's a sneaky little way to create a little burst of happy chemicals in your brain, you know, your dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins, right? Um, and so the more you can focus on what you're grateful for instead of what you're not grateful for, uh, the more you can step into that happier place versus that place of discontent, right? So that's number five. Number four, four is getting caught in the swirl of what ifs. What if it goes wrong? What if I don't do good enough? What if I get fired? What if I get stuck on the side of the road? What if, what if, what if, what if? And that can send you down into this spiral all the way down the rabbit hole of, oh my God, right? It can be really, really stressful. So the trick to that is play the what if up game with yourself. So instead of what ifing yourself down into the pit, you can what if yourself up. So what if I do a great job? What if I get a raise unexpectedly? What if a stranger helps me unexpectedly? What if I get a free cup of coffee today, right? <laughs> so you, you, can just, you can just flip it, right? Instead of making yourself anxious, you can make yourself excited, right? Again, creating a little burst of happy chemicals in your brain and making you feel good versus crunchy. So we've got a big meeting coming up. Instead of saying, what if this doesn't work? Or what if this goes wrong? It's what if all of a sudden they buy more than I expected? What if all of a sudden I, you know, do I build a new relationship that leads me to a new introduction? That is such, I love that that advice, Michelle. I think that's so great because there are so many anxious people that are playing the what if down game, but they could just benefit by shifting into the excitement. Yes. And it's as easy as that, right? It can be just that quick to go like, okay, if this is the negative, what if, what's the positive, what if just flip it 
And then you get to choose, right? Chocolate, vanilla, choose. Which one do you want? It's just a choice, right? <laughs> Neither right or wrong, but which one feels better, right? Yeah, so you're go, not going to know <laughs> until you do it. So right, right. Exactly, exactly. Um, so uh, confidence killer number three is toxic environments. How many here has ever worked in a toxic environment? Yes. Raising my right. hand. Yeah. <laughs> and I see all those hands out there, right? That's why I work for myself now. Because if I don't like the client, I can fire them. Yeah. Right. If I don't want to. Yeah. You know, it's just that easy. So you get to start to look at. Take a pause and look across the landscape of your life. Right. Do you have any toxic relationships in your family? Do you have any toxic relationship with friends? Do you have any toxic relationship with colleagues? Do you have a toxic home environment? Do you have a toxic work environment? Do you have a toxic community environment? where it's leaving you feeling depleted, um, drained, crunchy, stressed, worried, fearful, right? If, if the energy you're receiving from those environments is having you tighten up into a ball and want to hide out, you probably got some toxicity going on in there. So you get to rate each one of those, right? On a scale of one to 10, 10 being super toxic, one being not really a big deal. Right. And anything over a five, you need to take a serious hard look at like, hmm, what do I need to do to change this? Right. And it might be stepping away from a friend or a colleague. Right. I used to have um, a colleague years ago that I worked with. It was a negative Nelly. Complain, 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 complain. And finally, one day I was like, wow, it sounds like you're having a really bad day. I have to go now, but I hope that gets better for you. Right. So, when you don't buy into it, instead of, lit, oh my God, you're right. Oh, that's so horrible, right? You're basically feeding that negative Nelly. You're feeding that toxicity, right? But when you, I always say, just put on your coating of Teflon. Like, I'm really sorry you're having a bad day, but I, I've got to go, right? And you just leave them with their toxic present that they're trying to hand off to you because they don't want it. They're like, here, take my poop. No, no, thanks. I really don't want your poop today, but you have a good day with that, right? Blessings and love. And I, I got to go, right? And so nine times out of 10, that person who's got that toxic stuff that they're trying to offload, right? Because they don't know how to process it. They don't know how to be with it. They'll go find somebody else to give it to, yeah. right? So it enables you to raise your vibration, right? And they're going to go wherever they're going to go. I think that one's so important because I just had this conversation with, um, with a friend and she's like, well, I can't, you know, I'm so sick of my organization. It's so toxic. People complain all the time. Well, you know what? Like you, you can like, I'll call her Julie for lack of that. Like Julie, you actually can separate from that individual, but there are so many people that use the excuse. Like, no, I can't. No, I can't. Yes, you can. And yeah. it, you, you aren't just handcuffed to that person to hear their negative, uh, their negative response and take their, their gift. And I want, if you're making that excuse too, like you are not handcuffed to that person. You can say, I love that love and blessings to you. Like I've got to go. It sounds like you're having a rough day. So if you're thinking in your head that you can't do that, you absolutely can. That's just an excuse for not having accountability for dealing with that. Right. And, and I will say, I will say there are situations, right. Um, for example, and this is an extreme, but you know, let's say, if you're a woman in an abusive relationship, sure, right? Sure. There, there are these situations where it can be dangerous to try yeah. and leave, right? And so you have to you have to seek out the right help to be able to do that, right? Um, get, making connections at a, an abused woman shelter, for example, so that you can do that and make sure that you're safe, right? Because we want everyone to be safe too. So, but in the work environment, right? Um, it's important to know that there are ways to maneuver through those water, even if, if you've got a toxic boss, right? Um, it's challenging, but it but yeah. it can be done. And it a lot of it has to do with you and how you're standing in your confidence and how you're responding versus reacting to their negativity, right? There's a big difference. A you've got the knee-jerk reaction, and then you've got a thoughtful, hmm, let me take a breath and then respond. 
right? So that could be a whole nother conversation. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> we do part one and part two. Part one and part two, right? Okay. So um, toxic, uh, confident killer number two is focusing on your failures. How often do we do this? Oh, I should have done this right. Oh, I could have done that. Oh, and we spin and we spin and we spin and we spin because we forgot to cross the T or dot the I on the PowerPoint. And oh my gosh, there was a typo, right? Um, and some people that'll send them into a complete spit out, but, and the big scheme of things, is it really going to make a big difference? No, the, the best way to, to reframe it, I found is to think about it as if you were looking back on your life from your deathbed and in the grand scheme of things. How important is that thing that you're spinning about, right? And it gives you a whole different perspective, right? Um, This is kind of a a silly example, but I was talking to a dear friend of mine one day and I was like, oh gosh, I'm having such a bad hair day. She's like, girl, any day you have hair is a good hair day. She's a five-time cancer survivor. Wow. Five times. I was like, oh, mic drop. Right. I got great hair. I love my hair. Thank you. I have hair. Right. So it's all in the perspective. Yes. Yeah. It can change in an instant. Yes. Oh my gosh. Picture it. If that was your last day, how would you want to spend it? Worrying about that? You know, probably not. That's a fantastic reminder. Yeah. And then last but not least, the ever popular. Number one confidence killer of all time is I'm not enough. That belief, I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving. I don't provide value. All of that is kind of rolled up into that I'm not enough simple statement. And it took me years and years and thousands of dollars of coaching and therapy and workshops and whatnot to recognize that at the heart of my own stuff was that simple phrase. I was like, whoa, like mind blown kind of moment. And when you start to rewrite that, you know, I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. Put little stickies all over your house, put it in your car, sing a little tune to yourself, whatever you want. But the more you say it to yourself, right? the more it becomes true for you because your mind likes repetition, right? Literally, the more you think a thought, the, the hardwired those thoughts become in your neural pathways, right? So the more you remind yourself that you are enough, the more true it becomes for you. And the more true it becomes for you, the more you own it, the more you stand more confidently, you stand taller, proud to be who you are and do what you do in the world. I had one client, who came to me and through our work together, she cleared out these confidence blocks that she had, right? Like that. And her husband of 30 years was like, what did you do? You look different. You look look taller. Like, like he's like, you look taller. What did you, what do you have on shoot? She's like, no, she's just smiling. Right. Because when you really take back your power from that, I'm not enough fear, you really do. It's like your energy expands and you're like, right. Makes a huge difference. And again, it's that intangible. Something's different. What did you do? You look really radiant. It's like when we, we see a woman who's pregnant, right? You might not know she's pregnant, but they got that glow to them because their energy is very, very different. So that's what I love about the work that I do. It's this really subtle work sometimes um, that you can't put your finger on but it makes a huge, huge difference for people and, and the happiness, the joy, the peace of mind that they feel because they're able to let go of this belief, I'm not enough, I'm not worthy, that creates anxiety, depression, physical ailments, and so much more. Um, and it's just, it's really a gift to be able to do this work and to help so many people move that junk out of their trunk so they can live the life they're here to live and, and be of service in the way they're here to be of service. 
Oh my gosh. I, you know, I think I love that final closing message of helping people recognize that you are absolutely more than enough. And I hope if there's one thing everyone takes from this today, even though you've dropped so many valuable um, tools, tidbits, techniques, you know, just that reminder that you are more than enough, despite anything you've ever heard or been told in any way, like you are more than enough. Michelle, how can people get in touch with you? Um, well, you can always come visit me at michellemolitor.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-M-O-L-I-T-O-R.com. And um, if you're curious and you want to have a chat, I'm happy to have a complimentary discovery call with you. Um, you can book it there on my website. Um, and, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I have a fun group in Facebook called rewire for success, always dropping helpful tips and hints and inspirations there for folks. Um, so yeah. And, um, I just recently published my latest and greatest ebook called, do you have imposter syndrome? Six triggers that can crush your confidence. So, um, come to my website, you can download that for free and, uh, yeah, happy to have a chat with folks. Michelle, thank you so much for taking your time to uh, just share your insights and experience with the Leadership Habit audience. I am so grateful for you. And I'm just grateful that you could give everyone that reminder again, that they are enough and that they need to start tapping into that unconscious to create their success. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. It's been my real pleasure, Jen, as always, to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Leadership Habit with Michelle Molitor. You can connect with Michelle at nectarconsulting.com. You can also connect with her in our personal well-being website at michellemolitor.com. And there you can book your complimentary discovery call and you can also find her newest book on imposter syndrome. In addition, if you want to check out her best-selling book, Breakthrough Healing, you can find it on Amazon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Leadership Habit. Until next time.